fucking better. If I don't transition my career into making stuff up, I'm just going to grow so tired. I can only talk about my mental health for so many years. (laughs) Okay, so before we get into today's episode, I do need to give a content warning. My guest and I talk at length about mental health including my own mental health, as well as the mental health of my guest. Uh, And we get into such topics specifically as depression, anxiety, self-harm, and suicidal ideation. So if you are not in a position to hear a conversation about those things right now, please come and join us as you are able. Otherwise, hello, hi, welcome to the season finale of the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. It is episode five of season eight. It is the 48th episode overall. It's me, literally your boy, Kevin Krein, a.k.a. Kevy Fly, a.k.a. Lil Killjoy, and folks, nothing but illustrious guests. The guests only continue to be more illustrious, and I can't even articulate how excited I was to speak to my guest today. And I think that comes through in the conversation that we had. So without further ado, I will save all the fine print and some thoughts, some final thoughts about the season for the ending of the show. My guest today is a writer. She's the host of the mental health podcast Mood Ring, which recently wrapped up its first season. And she is the author of the book, The More or Less Definitive Guide to Self-Care. So folks, as you are able, please put your motherfucking hands together for Anna Borges. One last question for you, which is that this will come as no surprise to you, but... I will likely volley questions back should oh. I resist. No, go ahead. I mean, okay. that's not something that happens often on here. Um, but yeah, you can go ahead and volley questions back. I don't mind. Amazing. I mean, I, I usually I usually am just kind of like the person who facilitates to like get the per- the guests to speak on the songs and their experiences or like where they fall into the person's life. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of get in like a little tangential like... I didn't really know this song, but I really liked it. Or do you remember this wild thing from a decade or two oh ago? Um, but yeah, if you if you want to toss stuff back to me, go go right ahead. Yeah, um, like not not that I'm like planning on it, but just wanted to make sure if I accidentally fell into like you know interviewee podcasty mode that that would be fine. <laughs> you're like you're like I'm not used to the tables being turned. I don't know what to do. Surprise! I'm the host now. <laughs> I mean, the reason I'm so excited about this is because I am wild about this stuff. I love making, yeah. Well, let's get started before we, yeah, let's get started before I start talking about what we're going to talk about. The interview's not even started and you're like, <laughs> I am so excited to be here. And I'm like, we haven't even, I haven't even in, had you introduce yourself. Um, so- Oh, I haven't thought of my intro yet. Ooh, oh. <laughs> Can I just say hi? <laughs> Well, if you can, if you can do one on the fly here, um, before we talk about the music and what you and anything else, could you just give a quick introduction to folks listening of, of who you are and where they may know you from or kind of what, what it is that you are currently doing? Yeah, yeah, I totally can. Um, wait, okay. do I do like the whole name? I was like, I'll do that now. Um, but do I do like do name it. tag? Do you want me to introduce myself by name? Yeah. 
Yeah, go ahead. Please. Please do. All right. I promise I won't be like this controlly the whole time just because I realize that this can be more open-ended and doesn't actually have to hit all the points. But anyway, yeah. So I'm Anna. And funnily enough, professionally, I have had a hard time finding a way to describe what I do without hating it because I used to just be a writer, but now I'm like a podcast host and um, I guess nothing else. Wow. Maybe nothing. No, 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 no. I, I work at like a mental health startup during the day where I'm not doing as much writing anymore. It's actually been like two years since I've been a journalist. Like I um, have a book, The More or Less Definitive Guide to Self-Care, which is all to say like I'm obnoxiously multi-hyphenate at this point, like writer, editor, podcast host, producer, editorial director. Um, and so the closest thing is, is like content creator, which I hate. But the important thing is my career like, kind of built. <laughs> you're like, I'm, I'm an influencer and an no. icon. No. <laughs> I am a sad person who writes about mental health all day. No, no, but that it is. Oh, um... welcome. Yeah, I mean, you're in good company because that's, I got the big sad boy vibes right here for you. Yeah. I mean, because what is funny is I do have a couple things people might know me from. You know, I got my start at BuzzFeed um, back before talking about mental health on the internet was like as accepted as it is now. And so I like to think I was one of the, like the early loud, annoying people on social media who was just talking about how depressed they were. Um, and then, you know, mental health reporter, like I mentioned the book, the podcast, but I do think the thing that people actually know me most from, and that like, I'll, you know, have people reach out to me from is I have one essay and if writers are listening, they probably know how this goes. Like if you have a prolific thing and you're known for like the one thing, um, but one essay about suicidal ideation and the reason and I mentioned that. I wanted, and I, I know, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know if you're remiss to talk about that or not, because it does come up. Cause you did, there was, you did talk about it on mood ring in one episode. Oh, we're going to talk about it with half these songs. Don't okay. Worry. Good, Cause I <laughs> honestly, honestly, and that was, so I, for a little background for folks who are listening and kind of wondering how I reached out to you is I found that essay at the end of 2020 and I found mm. it at a point when I really needed it the most and it made a lot of sense and it helped me be able to put a like put a voice to something that mm. I was unable to articulate and so I started following you on Twitter and then um at the, I think at the end of 2021, I was trying to figure out more guests to get on mm. the show because with this show, it used to be people that I worked with and I would have them to my house and mm. we would just chop it up in the living room. The and before times. The before times in 2019. It was, uh, it was wild because it was just like I set up a little chair and a table and like a glass of water and they would just sit in my living room and we would talk and sometimes they'd have dinner with me and my wife and it was like a whole thing. And then the pandemic really shifted how I was able to do this and I had to start like, who can I reach out to remotely? And then it kind of became who do I know from my own like things that I have written that I can reach out to, to be like, hi, you liked this review I wrote of your mm. album. Will you come onto my show? And then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to start trying to land guests that I think are important that I want to hear from. And you were at the top of the list and I was trying really hard. You're trying, I was trying so hard to reach out to you and I wasn't getting anywhere. And then you were launching Mood Ring and we're looking for people to send voice messages of like yes. mental health stuff. And I was like, this is my perfect in because A, I will do that not even batting an eyelash 
sitting in my car talking about mental health stuff and sending it. But also I was like, this is my chance to be like, hi, will you please come on my podcast that I produce in my basement? And and you at the time were like, this is a terrible time. But if if this is an ongoing thing, please get back to me. And yes. so now here, and then you now, did. Thank God. Yeah. And now here we are. And I can't like of all the guests that I have talked to, both just like regular, regular people for my life and like who I'm say is a famous person that I'm using air quotes for. Because it's like it's and everyone who's everyone who I say is a famous person, they laugh at when I say that, but it's like I've interviewed a lot of musicians, other writers, um, and I'm just kind of like I fight the urge to be super starstruck. Oh, and this is please, like the big, no. this is the I biggest. I hope that this this interview just shatters that illusion for you. You're like, why? No. Did, why was I ever starstruck with this? Like, oh, this weird... is. Oh, <laughs> oh, this means just like uh, just going back to finding your essay and uh, listening to the show that you that you do. This is just this means so much. So, uh, before we even get into your songs, mm-hmm. from the bottom of my heart, I am so grateful that you were willing to take the time to do this and to make a playlist that you seem to have labored over oh my god see i well well we'll get we'll get to there but oh that means that means so much thank you and like i don't know i i always worry that like especially over email when you have to reschedule things or you're like pushing people off it like i'm like i hope they know that i really mean that i'm so excited but this has been one of the things that i've been genuinely so excited i figured as much because you were like tweeting about it and everything and i was like (laughs) Because you were in fucking Italy on some kind of like, was that like a writer's retreat or something? And you were just like living it up in another country. And then you were talking about this. And I was like, yo, this interview is going to be wild. Like, I am so excited. Yeah. See, but then I got in my head about like, ooh, now I feel like I'm setting the bar too high. And this has to be really, and it's like, no, no, no. The point is, is it's, so, I mean, to, t- to kind of finally tell you why I was having such a time, because for context, um, for people who are listening, I... I think I probably started with a God, way too many songs trying to well, narrow this down. At one, at one point when I checked in, you were like, I've got 50 songs and I'm like, uh, I'm really happy for you. I'm gonna let you finish, but we gotta, we gotta start whittling that down. Cause we which can't. I knew, which I knew, but okay. So here's the thing is I love making playlists and like specifically like thematic playlists. Like I can yeah. make a playlist for anything. And so the open-endedness of the prompts <laughs> probably gave me a meltdown. Um, but no, because I did, I, I wanted to be able to pick my own theme, obviously, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and I just couldn't decide, you know, it's like knowing that, you know, we, you know, first connected over mood during the podcast, which is about mental health and like the essay. I, you know, I was like, Ooh, mental health themes, maybe. And then I was like formative artists and like checking through like past episodes to see what people did. And like, I just, there are way too many directions I could have, taken this and like trying to figure out what would be fun to talk about and what would lead to good conversation and this is where you're going to hear my own podcast like I'm a podcast producer as well and so this is how I was thinking about it too like what would lead to good conversation and like themes that like we could both connect to and I'm like but what also would be interesting to listen to and not just me you know yeah, so like where I kind of wound up before we like dive into the individual songs is what? Oh, sorry, am I like completely podcast is like whatever right now? But no, 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 I, no, no, give no. Me a preview. No, 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 no. I'm just like very excited to talk about the first one. Like, oh yes, well, yes, yes. We basically the TLDR is 
I kind of narrowed down the list of various things that I wanted to talk about. Like, I, I want to talk about, like, using music to hurt my own feelings. I, of course, needed, like, my suicidal <laughs> song. Like, I needed, like, my whatever. And then I wanted to pick those songs with some formative artists, but also with just, like, some completely random ones. So, yes. Fun fact, Hurt Your Own Feelings with Music was an episode of Mood Ring that the pitch did not make it to the first oh, season. Oh, no. Oh, that's a bummer, man. That's that I would be I would listen to that episode every day and I wouldn't be able to stop telling people to check it out. I'd be like, it's like me. It's like what I do. It's like it's kind of like emotional masturbation, but in like a weird way. <laughs> So are you ready to begin yeah, yeah, your yeah. musical journey? Okay, so the I don't the order of these, I don't know how you sequence these in terms of like where they fall or kind of what the I kind of could get a trajectory through some of them. And I definitely noticed some similar kind of like musical elements. But also Yeah, I will say this is not the most musically diverse playlist. This is gonna give you like a pretty good idea of like Well, that's not true either. Cause there were the one thing I will say that this playlist does not cover is just like the genuine bops, like the thing I listen to for fun, because I didn't think of anything that would be fun to talk about. But I promise I do have like fun, interesting music taste and not just like all a bunch of depressing songs or like. I mean, the, I think the, mo- the thing that I, I mean, aside from kind of like the overall like tone of a bunch of the songs, musically, they're all very theatrical and dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, I like that energy because it's not something that I gravitate towards and so i was i mean this was uh, a lot of this was and a lot of these were songs and artists i didn't know but um op- you're opening strong opening strong in a, an incredible slice of the early 2000s with evan essence and my immortal which is i so i hadn't listened i think about this song a lot honestly but i honestly i haven't listened to it in forever and when i was pre- like prepping for this conversation and listening to your playlist I was like, this song goes so hard and it doesn't have to go as hard isn't as it, it does. Beautiful. Like, it's, isn't it oh, a still a good song? It's so, it's like, I was like, wow, this really takes me back to a different time and a different place. And it's still, it's just so, it's so emotionally, I don't want to say manipulative, but it's also <laughs> like, it. it's very close and it's still like, it's still hit. And I was like, damn. 
Evanescent, she was going through something. And this, uh, so how are we landing with this one first? And kind of where is this? Where are we starting? Yeah, I mean, this album, Fallen, was my first No Skips album, um, which probably tells you what kind of like 12 year old I was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like I said, we are, we started, it was starting off like strong on the suicidal ideation and like whatever. But what's funny (laughs) is I think it's going to be a pretty entertaining conversation about suicidal ideation. So. As what a one can be, you're, but no, you're, this like, one... you're, you're like I contain multitudes. What do you What do you want? <laughs> but it's like yes, my immortal. Gosh, I also did um some maybe God. I want to say somewhat recently, but maybe it was a year ago because time is fake these days. I re-listened to the album for the first time too, and like. I think my immortal specifically at some point became a meme. Whether it was because of like that my immortal like famous Harry Potter fan fiction, which we don't have to get into, um, or just like how it was associated with like over dramatic emo girls who were made fun of for, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's genuinely a really like pretty song. And like the, the album as well is like very emotional. And as you say, very like theatrical and it just like, I, it was formative. And I really, really felt like I used to, gosh, I used to run that album on my like god whatever you used to call like i was in like an external cd player like a big cd player i used to run it on like repeat and shuffle so i wouldn't have to decide as i was coming and going from my bedroom which song to start with like it was playing at all hours of the day i was so was was this like you said this was your first no skips album Mm -hmm. was this like the first cd that you bought with like your own money or was this just like the first one where you were like getting into music and being like yo this this hits god that's a good question because i honestly don't remember i must have discovered evanescence through music videos because i used to like be like you know big on who wasn't vh1 mtv watching music videos every whatever saturday well the video the video for the one with guy from was it 12 stones and it's like the wake me up inside that video was inescapable and then this video was also inescapable and it's like black and white and like like so depressing yes yeah 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 so like you couldn't pull your eyes away from it yeah so that must have been where i found the song and i don't know by then, I, I did definitely have my own CDs. I like had Britney Spears, Shania Twain. Um, there you go. Dream probably was like another big one. Um, I wasn't big on Christina, uh, but the boy band. So like I definitely had CDs, but this one was very much like the first emotional connection to music that I remember. Because like now, I mean, as we're going to find out today, most of my ways into music are you know, it's just ways of engaging with my emotions in different ways, whether that's was like the hurting your own feelings, like we were talking about or making sense of things. And before that, I think music was just fun. It was like, I'm going to make up a dance to Lucky by Britney Spears. <laughs> and this was like, this made me feel something. And oh, this is describing something that I feel because like I was a super depressed kid. <laughs> like I laugh, but that's not funny. But the reason I do laugh is because I can think of so many of like me and my former emos who had all the signs that we were not okay. And those signs were things like listening to Evanescence, like, and we were made fun of for that. And like, it's just really weird to me that that was like a whole phenomenon of like making fun of depressed preteen girls.
when you were young and obviously like going through some things and a depressed kid and listening to Evanescence or like even just being a depressed kid, was mental health that was something like was that talked about in your house or, or like no. your, your family aware and being like, hey, maybe we need to talk about this or get some help or anything? Because <laughs> 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 if you can't laugh about uh, stuff like that now, what, what can you laugh about, right? No, true. It's 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 really interesting to think about, especially because I grew up and became a mental health writer. But I actually was not someone who engaged with my mental health in a way that or like in any sort of self-aware way until college, you know, like I knew that I was very sad. I like knew, but I just didn't have the vocabulary and it definitely didn't exist in my house. And the reason I laugh is because I have a really succinct answer to this, which is an anecdote, which is I, you know, have a history of self-harm and I started very young and I was someone at school noticed and, you know, told the school counselor about it. And I found out because I got home and my parents had been called by the counselor that I was self-harming and I got in trouble. <laughs> and that pretty much sums up how mental health was handled in our house. <laughs> Cause I, I did something bad. Oh boy. That's uh yeah. I, I recently had a moment where I was thinking about um, how anxious of a child I was mm. and like actual anxiety attacks that I had when I was maybe about 10. And I like, retrospectively now that I am I mean it's like 30 years later I'm kind of like golly I wish that my family would have been like hey we think something might be going on we should maybe like talk to someone or have him Mm -hmm. talk to somebody but it was definitely just like nope we're just gonna like not ever talk about this again (laughs) so aside from this being your no skips and being in your feelings with this this tune specifically is there anything else you want to talk about with Evanescence and My Immortal before we switch uh drastically switch into to something from the same era but a different tone i was just i actually wanted to ask you if like there was a song or like musician that was most representative of like your stereotypical tween self because like this was stereotypical me too like yes it represented a lot of serious mental health stuff but like i was a scene kid i was you know wearing like heavy eyeliner so what was your evanescence i mean so i mean in terms of like being a i like so i was born in 1983 and so i'm like i mean when i was a teenager um i was coming up in like the mid 1990s and there was like a lot of my friends listened to really hard rock mm. and I did not really get into a ton of it. Um, I really, I I was like the 14 year old who really loved Radiohead. <laughs> and I still, I mean, I still do really love Radiohead, but like there was, there was, um, I don't think there was anything that I had that much of an emotional attachment to when I was a kid, like when I was like, teenager teenager um but did you have a stereotype of like what kind of like what was your breakfast club character you know because if I was like an emo kid listening to Evanescence you were I mean maybe you didn't have one I was just curious um if I was like like sullen overweight only child raised by a single female parent I don't know if that's like a I don't know if that's like a stereotype I mean like I was like it's highly specific but it's very specific but it's like I mean I had I mean like I wore like a chain i had a chain wallet i bore i had a lot of band t-shirts from hot topic oh yeah see I, the hot topic that's what oh like yeah hot, hot topic kid with glasses and big sideburns 
was like my my affect when i was like you know 15 16 um, oh my god will you find a picture to promote with this episode because i want to see that immediately <laughs> i think there are some there are some pictures where i am i i'm my younger self with different glasses and no facial hair and i'm just a, a baby face with sideburns and spiky hair and shirts that are a little too big because i was uncomfortable with my my body um oh yes yeah, well, I mean, in there talk, and there. We can, I was like, we can. I was like, we can talk about uh, discomfort with bodies another time. Probably. I know. I was about to say I could see that tangent being very <laughs> fruitful, but I will resist. plan and addicted is the next one and this was kind of like such a shift from the tone of the the evanescence but this is the same era of like popular music for young people Mm -hmm. so um where are we going with this one now yeah this will probably be a pretty short one because i wanted to mix it up because i knew what are going to be the the big songs but first of all just the like the opening guitar rift i will never leave my head you know that's gonna live rent free with me until i die like i have memories of this was like waiting for it to come on the radio because i didn't have the cd yet you know like when the single was released and i would hear it and it was just this was like the first band that i made part of my personality was simple plan (laughs) um and like which is, you know, I think I made Evanescence part of my personality too, but like, I mean, as a, like a fan, you know, like, I think this was my first, like, I'm not in fandom or anything. We will talk about various fandom things later, but like, this was my first, I am a Simple Plan fan. I am, you know, this band is my life, like all of this kind of stuff. And Do you do that now as like a grown ass woman? Are there like bands that you force on people or like, have you ever had, no. the, have you ever had the conversation where you're like, if you don't like this, I don't know if we can be friends. Because I used to be that guy, and then I realized that nobody likes that guy. Yeah. I've really backed off on that because I'm like, man, I can't be that kind of a person. If somebody doesn't fuck with something, like that's okay, and I have to be okay with that. Yes, I'm so glad you asked that because that was one of the themes that I was trying to pick which song would be my entry point into talking about that because like, I too used to be... I mean, the thing that's coming to mind is like South Park nonconformist parody. You know what I mean? Like I used to, once I knew that there were, there was music that was considered cool and not cool and mainstream and not, and that it was like a marker of something. Like I didn't know what it yeah. was. Um, I became very into using that as, I don't know, some sort of, some sort of something. And it wasn't necessarily that I would 
judge others, but I definitely was self-conscious about what my music said about me. And like, funnily enough, the song that I cut that I was going to use for this, and now you're you're getting a peek at what this was like, was from American <laughs> Idiot. I was going to probably put like, maybe like Jesus of Suburbia, like something, because that album made me think of um, when I found it for the first time. And like my older brother, who was two years older than me, was like, all of you posers, only like Green Day with American Idiot when they've been making music forever. And I'm like, dude, I'm 12, you know? And it was just very weird that like the first thing I like internalized from that was that like, it was bad to like popular music. You know what I mean? It was, um, it said something about you were cool if you didn't like popular music, if you had the alternate opinion. You can, only and... be, you can only be a contrarian for so long is the thing. And then, like, I recently have kind of gone back and been, like, the stuff, like, especially pop, pop music, like, that would have been very uh, ubiquitous when I was a teenager, like, Britney Spears, things like that, like, pop music that I scoffed at because I was, yeah. oh, I'm a sullen teenage boy and I don't have time for this. As a someone who is pushing 40 now i'm like you know what this is all really good and i feel very foolish for having slept on this for so long but now here we are now here we are and i'm like give me that britney spears like i'm gonna legitimately love this now Um, i love this backstory because you submitted the voice memo for mood ring about you know carly ray jepson and like like, you're whatever like I forget how you described your dance, your like little finger. Oh, I yeah, I do a lot of finger pointing <laughs> and shoulder shimmying. And it was just like Carly Ray, like I came around to on my own because I was like, emotion came out and I was like, oh, wow, this is really good. And I didn't use it as like a gateway into pop music like I could have, but it really helped kind of get me to where I needed to be or wanted to be. Um, but yeah, like being a contrarian adult, it, it doesn't. It's not a good look after a certain point. I, yeah, no, exactly. I judge people for it because music to me is so, and I'm sure you see this in every episode. It's so subjective and it means so much 
so many different things to yeah. different people. Some people gravitate toward lyrics or beats. And it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. how could you say anything about what someone likes when you have no idea why they like it or what that means? There is no universally good music, I personally think, you know? Um, I mean, there's like, I don't want to say good and bad, but like, good, there's no universally good music taste. And, you know, so, yeah. Uh, I have Anything feelings. else? <laughs> Anything else about Simple Plan and Addicted? Are they still a thing? This is, they're not still a thing, are they? Do you uh, still like do you how often do you revisit like an album oh, like this or a song like this? So that was funnily enough also kind of a reason why I put them on, which is that I did heavily lean back into throw throwback music and like specifically pop punk. I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, who knows? Like Simple Plan is like a little pre-pop punk days for me, but I was listening to a lot and revisiting a lot of music during the pandemic because it was like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. It was like transporting me back to feeling trapped as a teen. You know, I was like all of the feelings I was feeling like early pandemic were teen feelings. And so I was digging up all the songs that gave me teen feelings. Oh, by the way, this was also like a, like a horny choice as horny as one could be at like 13, but like the, this, this like little foursome of like old white men that you're looking at when I was like 12 was at some point, the hottest thing I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> I know. Oh, boy. Um, I mean, they've oh. been, oh, wow, they've been around since 1999. Good for them. Right? Oh, They're I'm really- Just a Kid is also a great song. I hate that that song just got more and more relatable the more I grew up. You know, it's like, my life is a nightmare. No one invites me everywhere. <laughs> I remember that song. I'm um, Just a Kid. Okay, moving yeah. on. That you make me change my ways And my bad habits will be gone in a matter of days I had the feeling that you'd open up my eyes To a whole new world that has since been in disguise But that day will most likely never come for me And it's just my luck to end up getting stuck to everything you are So tonight I'll sit and pick apart your pictures And overanalyze your words The truth is that I've never fallen so hard It's taken everything in me just to forget your sweater so far All right. So, and now we're getting into some of these, like some of the artists in the, this other, like now that we're getting into this list a little deeper, some of them I was aware of, like, oh, I remember, I have recognized this band or Mm. I I recognize this artist, Uh, but none of these songs I had heard. And this next one, The Spill, The Spill Canvas. The Spill Canvas, yeah. I loved this. Did you? Ah! Yes. Yes. (laughs) I loved this. Um. It spoke to the little emo 20-something in me that never dies. Um, but all hail the heartbreaker. Where, so where are we in your life with this one? And, like, I didn't do any other di- additional yeah. research aside from, like, listening to this tune and being like, oh, this is great. But, like, are is this 
older? Is this newer? Tell this me all older. about this. Okay. You actually gave me the perfect segue um, without realizing it. Cause the reason <laughs> I picked this song is because this was like the first cool music that I liked. Oh, you know? okay. okay. Um, this was like the first band that I would like that my friends hadn't heard of because like before I used simple plan to signal of the popular music that you will have heard. I like the more alt stuff. I like the rock, not the simple plan. You know what I mean? We're, we're preteens here, but like, I was like, I like the cool stuff. And then the next step to that was me realizing I could discover new music and cool music and feel really alternative to that. But it wasn't just like the vanity of, I like liking cool music. Like this was my, one of my favorite teenage bands, like hands down. And I credit them along with Evanescence. Oh, we're building on themes here. Thanks me. Um, (laughs) But I I credit credit, like this kind of like very dramatic angsty music that I connected to in a very, very deep way um, to getting me started as a writer. I was a poetry writer first. And so like this kind of thing made me want to write that angsty ass poetry that we associate with emo girls. You know, I was filling up composition notebook after composition notebook. Half of it was like vaguely plagiarizing spill canvas songs. You know, it was like, what's my version of like Lesta Prima Vista? And like, cause they, they're also like, they tell a story a lot of the times, you know, they're very like, I don't know. The songs paired very well with a lot of the fanfic I was reading. <laughs> So is this like, I mean, they're still active. I am on the, I'm currently, they're from, they're from the Midwest. They're from South Dakota, big up to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm learning so much from their wiki right now. Um, But so is this like, do you go back to this? Like, is this an artist that you return to and like have followed? Or is this just one of the things that's like representative of a time in your life when you were uh, an emo teen? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, the latter for sure. So, Cause like I said, a lot of these, I do listen to again, like I have full pop punk playlists. I still listen to addicted. I think like, um, I don't even want to know how many of like the top 10 of each of my Spotify 
whatever countdown each year are songs that I listened to when I was a teen. Like, I, I finally understand why my parents listened to the same music they listened to all their lives and didn't catch up to modern music. I was like, okay, I'm going to die loving pop punk and stuff like this. But The Spill Canvas, I actually don't return to them. They're someone that I remember exists. Okay. Yeah, and then I'm yeah. always delighted to experience listening to the songs fresh for like the first time, you know, in a long time. Um, Aside from like pop punk and like things that are kind of sadder what 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 genres do you like gravitate towards just regularly oh god i don't even know genre names because here's the thing about me i have name an artist that you're like that you regularly are like gonna put this on yeah i so there are two wolves inside of me and one of the wolves (laughs) has like I'm not gonna have a straight answer to any of these questions That's because I, I'm telling you, the, like the wolves thing. I said, I said that to my wife the other day for something, and she was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And I'm like, "You don't live online the way I do." And she's, she's like, "You need to not be on Twitter so much." Okay, but what you do in that situation is pretend like you came up with it. What? <laughs> like I'm just re like gurgitating meme language, and you had the opportunity to be like, "Yeah, I'm drawing a metaphor here, wife." <laughs> Try to follow me with this flimsy narrative that I'm going to overextend. Uh, But okay, the two wolves inside me. Um, No, I do. I have a couple ride or die artists who like, I will listen to everything that comes out and I like legitimately most of it. And we'll get to some of those are on here today. So I'll save, I'll save, um, save a little preview. But I am also a big person who there will be like, there are songs I am. They are like some of my ride or die songs. I am obsessed with them. They are in my top 20 every year. And if you ask me right now, I probably couldn't tell you who the artist was. You know, they're like, I just, I will latch on to a song and put it on a playlist and it will like come back around. And I often will try to look at some of the songs I've been listening to lately to then like go further explore an artist. But I very much just kind of like categorize based on like how a song makes me feel and go from there. Fun. 
and fun. this is fun like their first this is this is the first album right like mm-hmm. fun, fun are on hiatus I mean they're but, never getting back together they okay they're like a super group technically because they all came from other projects mm-hmm. and I remember how inescapable the songs from what is it some nights yep the next were, album like we are young yeah. some nights yep all that stuff was just like I you could not avoid it in 2012 2013 they were everywhere and then Jack Antonoff went on to be a big name producer um, and also Bleachers is awesome yeah, I, it was Bleachers, it was hard not to yeah. include a Bleachers song on here so I came up with a loophole for that we'll get to um, that later too <laughs> but so this is Be Calm and this was so kind of like ornate and theatrical was it the first time you had listened to it yes yeah. ah, oh so I was this is very... one of the songs i love showing people for the first time okay. because it is kind of a journey so oh I love and it. so tell me how you got into this and how this one ended up on the list here yeah so on a tactical level this was the first song i heard from fun and okay. it like knocked me the fuck out i had never heard a song <laughs> like it i forget where i got it probably was it post live? It had to have been post live wire, but it was still like illegal downloading on my parents' desktop levels of music. Um, and I was just like, man, I long, so I long for the days of downloading MP3s that are mis like mislabeled onto Do you know what someone I else's computer. What I still have all my old Apple like classic iPods just like in a box somewhere because I never throw anything out. And I was so so tempted to like see if one of them would charge to see what those playlists were because like the last time I would have listened to it was, but I didn't do that. But so fun, fun. There are multiple layers as to why it's on this list, which is true of all of them because I wanted to be able to consolidate. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so this was the first song I heard of them. They completely knocked me out. I was obsessed with it on the song level. What I love about this is at least to me, I still to this day will listen to it when I'm anxious because it engages with the anxious feeling like it builds it like feels like anxiety and then it like descends and it like kind of like calms you down so it is weirdly like kind of a meditative song for me at this point which wasn't always true. Um, It is it does have big chaotic energy a couple of times in it. It's just like oh it just like Bill I love a song that builds I I also love that you clocked how fucking dramatic music tastes I love is that a is that a genre just like dramatic bitch. (laughs) I mean, it, it's a theoretical genre now. No, I, I just like the further I got into this, like especially after this one and then the next couple, I was oh, yeah. like, I was like, was she a theater kid? Like, did, oh, yeah. I, was like did, I was like, these all have big kind of like, just there's so much happening in all of them. And I was just like, wow, there is going to be so much to talk about and so many levels to all these songs.
boring level to this song. And by that, I mean, not boring at all, but like the kind of like this, as you mentioned, this was like 2000 or the next album came out around like 2012, 2013. And that was mid college for me. I'm a, I'm graduate of 2014. Okay. And I, I actually had been a huge fun fan before that because of the songs, but became like a fan and going to their concerts in college when that album came out, because I bonded with someone who became like one of my closest friends over it. And we went to all the fun concerts together and like, they put on a sick show. Like it is so fun. It's to this day. I'm, I could really go for a fun concert. Or I, a concert. I, I was going to say like, I, I, I mean, I always, I haven't been to a bleachers concert, but I see, jack antonoff posting photos a lot of the time on instagram and it just like looks like there's so much energy and enthusiasm mm -hmm. and i'm just like wow that looks so wild to me yes yeah a at a show like that yeah they were like jack like in bleachers and then like nate who is the lead singer of fun were they were both i mean theater kids too you know they they put on a show um bleachers was actually my first concert after the pandemic once i once i ventured back out um, oh, can I give you a quick sidebar? Yes. The briefest thing. Um, we were originally supposed to record this interview two days ago. Uh -huh. And um, the reason I'm sad that we couldn't do it is the day before I went to, two years late because it was pushed twice because of the pandemic, the My Chemical Romance reunion show. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and... I've been following their, people on Twitter just keep talking about all that. And, oh, it was um... so good. And I had half a voice. So I was really looking forward <laughs> to like coming in with like my raspy ass voice and being like kind of sexually like, ah, oh, yes. And like, let me tell you the story of how I got this. So sad that we didn't get to do that, but I still found a way like, to talk uh, about it. So ha -ha. Sounds like you smoked a pack of Newports right before you got right. on. Exactly. I love a I love a sexy raspy voice. But yeah, so that fun is definitely who I associate with like the con like the concerts that I went to and had fun at and like really, really like lit you up. You know, yeah, like yeah. I am not necessarily someone who enjoys big parties or like lots of like crowds, but concerts when you connect to the music or like when you like the music are like oh top-notch i have such debilitating concert anxiety and it's been magnified by living in a pandemic world and i've been to two shows since uh the pandemic shut things down one was a seated show in a theater which is very nice because i could just sit there with my mask on and listen that's to what, what i did with mcr and it, i'm never standing at a concert again or that's I had, why <laughs> i mean i'm so wa i'm such i have such a washed age that the idea of standing for a concert i'm like i don't think my back can handle that um but the other one was i saw carly ray jepsen and oh. I, but i had seats i had bought i had bought seated tickets like in the balcony and it was a lot of fun to just be able to stand for like a song and kind of shimmy around mm -hmm. and then sit for the rest of it but like it's been so weird going back out into things and like seeing yeah. crowds and it's just very surreal it's like did you go to a lot of concerts pre-pandemic I you know I did a lot growing up and I did a lot in my early 20s and then I only like going to concerts when I really, really love them. I like, I want to know every song because otherwise it's not worth all the things I hate about concerts. But when <laughs> I am, when I'm fully immersed and I am like there, I'm obsessed with it. And, you know, there are a few bands that I'm that ride or die for. And most of them became big enough that they started playing big like stadiums or at least like larger places. And like, I was the person who would love to show up early and be like front row holding onto the bar, looking up at the artist and crying. Like, I think like to this day, like my, um, one of my favorite concert experiences was a Hozier concert and just like, I decided to last minute get a ticket for the next day. Um, 
because I had been to the one the day before with like, I got there late after work, blah, 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 blah. And like, I showed up early and was like front and center and like had a moment with like, I was like crying during a song and like Hozier like said stuff like it. Well, it was just like a small thing. And I was just like, yeah. uh, this is my concert experience. I was pulling up my hair the day I cut the deal. Chemically calm. Was I meant to feel happy that my life was just about a change one life pretending to be the cow got the cream oh everybody said marina is a dreamer people like to tell you what you're gonna be it's not my problem if you don't see what i see and i do not give a damn if you don't believe my problem is my problem that i never am happy it's my problem it's my problem So the next one is is uh, called "Are You Satisfied?" and this is by <laughs> Marina. And I don't know; I didn't know anything about this. And, and her name is all in caps, and so it looks. Oh very... my god! You don't know? Okay. So quick, quick thing. Marina used to be Marina and the Diamonds, and I refuse to call her Marina now as like the new stylized, whatever. She's only. I been... have I have heard of them, Marina and the Diamonds. So that that is at least familiar, like the name recognition. Yeah. Yeah, she restylized it. She got rid of the. She got rid of the diamonds and just became oh. Marina like two albums ago. And I was like, come on, Marina. <laughs> so, but where are we going with this one? And like, where is this falling into your, into your life? If we're oh. going to talk more about concerts. Yeah. Oh, I have a lot to talk to, to you about with Marina. Um, the only reason I'm like concerts is I'm actually seeing Marina and Panic um, next or Panic at the Disco next week, which was oh wow one of my dream concerts together because they're like two of my favorite theat- super super theatrical performers so like Brendan Yuri, Peter Kidd. It's funny that you mention um, Panic at the Disco because somebody else that I spoke to for this season of episodes that I've done um, was talking about how much she loved Panic at the Disco, specifically their second album, and yeah. it was it's so theatrical and ornate, and mm-hmm. I so yeah I was like I bet that's big theater kid energy on stage for a panic oh, yeah. disco concert. And I also cut a couple of panic songs because they're, they're also one of my, they're one of my ride or dies too. Marina is my first ride or die of this playlist. And God, where do I start with Marina? Oh, her concerts are so lovely. I'm, I'm deciding like, which way to go. Hmm. I don't know. What did you, I'm curious. What did you decide probably also how dramatic was what stood out from you um, with this song? I think just like the kind of bombastic nature of it. Mm. And I think there was a little bit of the lyrics, but I would have to listen to it more intently to like really focus. Cause like, I feel like a lot of, there was like a lot of like kind of mental health. Mm. <laughs> there's definitely a line that's like, it's my problem if I have no friends and feel I want to die. So you're right on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was just like very taken aback by, especially the further along we get into this list, just the very kind of chaotic nature mm-hmm. and like dense kind of arranging. I but that's this. where I go for things. That's like because I write so much about music and because I like 
pay attention to lyrics so intently and I'm, I'm kind of like unpacking them. And then if there are things that make me feel seen or attacked or both, um, and then kind of like the way stuff is layered and like the arrangements and like when instruments come in. So like, that is what I pay attention to with music most now. Mm. Um, I love rather, that. Rather than being just kind of like, oh, this song is catchy or whatever. Like I will just gravitate towards like, taking a song apart and then being like why do I like this what are the elements and it it's tough because it like it doesn't take the fun out of listening to music but it makes everything very analytical and I have to sometimes, <laughs> I have to sometimes shake that off and be like I was gonna no, say no just enjoy it for what it is and I then there's the other part of me that's like yeah but these lyrics bro they really hit like no I mean that is enjoy I, I'm lyrics first person for most most of my stuff um but what's I wish I had that skill of being able to kind of separate it out because part of putting together this whole playlist that was kind of like stressful is I do like there to be some sort of common thread for it to make sense for the songs to work together and I wasn't quite sure what that was here you know and so like hearing you call out that like or even like arrangement wise and instrumentally these kind of had like the through line of like that kind of bombastic or like dramatic very cool to hear because I wouldn't have put that together. No, I, that was like by right away, but after the fun song and then into this one, I was You're like, ah, like, oh, this is dramatic. I was like, I, I was like, they, they, we're going someplace big with this, and then <laughs> and then it like towards the end with a song from an actual musical, I was like, that, <laughs> that, that tracks. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that spoiler alert because I'm like, I'm a theater. I, well, I'm not a theater kid, but at heart, you have accurately assessed that I am a theater kid. Um, in my inner imagination, the music video, um, the music video song, the main character energy. So this was actually my first, this is, I put it on because A, Marina Formative, writer, die artist, but also this is kind of like a good example of like main, like main character energy, romanticizing my, not my life energy, but kind of like, I have a playlist called this looks like a job for therapy and it's just yeah, where I dump. You sent me you sent me a couple of the links to be like these are playlists that I'll probably reference and I was looking at them and I was like there's so much happening in all of these and I I love I, I love how that I your playlist titles are un- unrivaled <laughs> like I, you know, I do love a, a great playlist title and I will say that the hurting your own feeling feelings playlist um I opened up to Twitter, so not all of those are my choices. But the the like, this looks like a job for therapy is just like any kind of like lyrics that I relate to in some way. Sometimes it's just one lyric in the entire song. Sometimes it's like the vibe.
I don't know when I'm in my like most toxic workaholic and miserable about it and like one of my coping mechanisms is kind of like romanticizing even though I don't I like hate I hate that I mean like even like going back and forth trying to like make this interview happen you like you knew how hard it is for me to find time in my schedule and that's because I have like this stupid job that is so many things blah 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 but when I'm in those feelings and I don't feel like I could like make big changes about my life I'm like all right well time to time to romanticize the life that I have and then I start like listening to Marine Lynn Diamonds like talk about like ah yeah like I'm a control freak like oh it's my problem I'm choosing this like ah yes I'm like heartless I'm like I I'm such a hard worker I'm a robot that's her other song you know like I'm not a robot like so her her I don't know that I can describe all the themes that I relate to in Marina music but it is like my most dramatic version of relating like my most toxic version of myself relates to Marina (laughs) I I get that. I I mean, there. I often find, especially when I'm like unpacking albums and even kind of things that are unexpected, I find what I refer to as unflattering reflections of myself. <laughs> hey, but you call them unflattering at least. Me, I like. I'm like this is me as a fictional character because I don't know about you, but like all my favorite fictional characters or like TV characters, book characters, whatever, are like the kind of t- like fun toxic ones the like the villain or like the like I don't even know the femme fatale or who knows I I, I don't often see myself as a villain but I often am very aware of my own shortcomings and then when I see (laughs) glimmers of those um especially how I handle things interpersonally uh (laughs) I I see reflections of that in in pop music sometimes and I'm like oh I oh boy this whoo and I I get like I start to feel some type of way about it but it's uh it's good it's it's very um it's humbling when when I'm gonna make an educated guess not because of you as a person but only having this artist as a reference point and knowing that I too relate to this and I know so many people for whom this is like a theme song that they get some sort of like therapeutic connection to are you someone who maybe daydreams a little bit to too much by Carly Rae Jepsen (laughs) Um, not too much by Carly Rae Jepsen, but, um, there are some Carly Rae songs where I see, it's mostly like, I listened to Norman fucking Rockwell by Lana Del Rey when it came <laughs> yes. out, and a lot of those songs, especially the title track, I was like, is this song about me? Like, is this song being sung by all the women in my life? Why, why do I feel so attacked, but also like, I get why I'm being attacked. And so it's, it's stuff like that where I'm not like romanticizing it exactly or like leaning into it, but I'm definitely like, I see, I can, I see it. I don't like it. I don't hate it. I'm (laughs) acknowledging and being like, there's no easy resolution here, folks. So let's keep it moving. Let's just, you know, let's just look away. Like, sure, that's like kind of my theme song, but it's like it's like I'm kind of like, as my therapist would say, let's unpack this. But also, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I want to get into that right now. So let's talk about something else. No, Um, but that's very much Marina. And the sad thing about Marina is not the sad thing at all, but the sad thing about how I think about Marina is I've often made the joke, which I find is true, which is that her music got worse the happier that she got. Um, (laughs) And I am so glad that she was happy and related to her music in no way. And she, more than anyone, does make me think of like that stupid, um, I don't know, romanticizing the kind of misery and creativity and you like shouldn't 
get better, you shouldn't like find treatment. So you can keep creating emotional art. And so like the reason I'm like, my worst thought about this is like, with her albums, the progression of her getting happier and me not progressing or growing with her and finding like less and less to relate to in her music was a bummer for like an artist that I love so much. Next one, Black Sheep. This I really loved the kind of unhinged, very like <laughs> um, ramshackle energy of this one, both lyrically but also the way it's put together. So, is who, how do you pronounce? Is this Jin Jing Wigmore? Yeah, Jin Wigmore. Okay, and this is like not alt country, but this definitely has like a real twang to it. So, yeah. how, how are we getting into this one? And like, where, where is this falling into your musical life? If these are in any kind of not chronological order, but borderline chronological order. Well, I am an artiste. And so these are both progressing chronologically and thematically. <laughs> um, so this comes after, um, are you satisfied? Because if I have my playlist that is like, this looks like a job for therapy, this is my completely dissociative music video in my head. My, I am walking around pretending I'm a badass and assassin. Like I've learned there are people who have this like maladaptive daydreaming as a coping mechanism and there are people who aren't. So before I continue, which are you? <laughs> Wait, what, what kind of, so. Oh, I, I, I said maladaptive daydreaming. That's like not it, more like, I don't know. Do you have like re- fantasies you return to, you know, like. Myself? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you think about before you go to bed? You don't star in like, I don't know. God, all my examples are going to be like, I don't know, fantasy or fandom related. But No, I don't. (gasps) Um, Sometimes I do wish that I was more musical. Like, I don't play any instruments or anything. Um, For somebody who loves music as much as I do and like writes about it and talks about it. I'm not a musical person. Like, I can't play an instrument. I can't carry a note and sing. Um... So sometimes I kind of like, I wish that I were like the dynamic front person of a band of some kind. Ooh. But, um, and do you have songs that you, that maybe that image comes to mind as any, you're listening? Anything that's like super like powerful and like mm. has a lot of like, not, I don't, not drama to it, but just like a big build or like a moment of catharsis. Mm. Um, I think about that with I don't know like this is a song that like I'm walking around and it is impacting how I walk you know I like have I am like 
feeling the song. I'm the main character and whatever, you know, this is a back, this is my background music. This gotcha. like, this is like, I love having my headphones in and like, this is around me. And like some people connect to songs like that and don't have the extra layer of, and that's because I'm really connecting to the idea that I'm like, you know, I'll pull like one from like college or like high school. Cause it'd be less embarrassing, but like high school would be like, you know, I no longer imagine like myself in the plot of supernatural or, you know, it's just yeah, like, <laughs> God, I hope some of you who are listening relate to this because, woo! <laughs> but this is very, like, I love, like, characters. Like, oh, so that's the other, like, layer to this is, like, this is, like, a song that I would put on a character playlist, you know? Because, um, like, I'm also a fiction writer, not a it published is, one. It but... is very, this is very specific. It's very vivid in terms of creating a portrait. So Dallas lovers that all wish they had me back Got a pistol for a mouth, my own mama like how did you discover this song like where does like do you just it like... must it must have been on a fan mix it must okay. have been like god i'm trying to think of like who the go-to kind of like femme fatale characters are who are rarely well developed it's not even like a trope that i love that much but it's just this one in particular hmm god i don't remember but it was definitely like in the context of like maybe it was on a tv show this is also a song that is used a lot in tv oh okay. um but i think i discovered it before but i did also not in a cool way i just more mean that like it picked up and like got overused for a long time um yeah i truly don't know i think and this do is... you and do you like listen to a lot of kind of like twangy like country adjacent music like this or was this just like the one artist slash song that kind of like grabbed your attention so I love Jin in general, and she may have been my entry point into this kind of music. And a couple other like art artist comps come to mind, like L King is similar, and it's a very specific mood. Do you know what these are? And this just made me think of it. These are like revenge fantasy songs, because <laughs> X's and O's was too. Like that's like that's what's the fantasy I have with X's and O's? I'm serious. I have specific fantasies to different songs. This one is singing that song as karaoke with an ex in the audience um, is a great one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that kind of thing. So I think less genre and more like sexy raspy voiced women singing about either killing men. Cause Jen Wigmore has like another song called kill of the night. And it's like a very kind of like sexy, like, I don't know, another very, I don't know, like evocative, like story or a character based song. That's just, yeah. So revenge fantasy songs is okay. the genre. <laughs> I love it. That's very specific. Um, You said, so you said that you write fiction, but it's not like you haven't published anything. Is it just kind of like for funsies, a project no. that you're working on? Or are you like working on something like long-term that you'd like to see come to like fruition somehow? Or what's the scoop with that? If you don't mind Ugh. divulging, or if you don't want to talk about it. No, oh, no. I don't, I don't mind at all. I'm just sigh. Cause this is like the, 
angst of my life. Um, but here's, here's the thing about fiction versus nonfiction. Nonfiction, they pay you to write first and then you write it. And fiction, you have to write it all on your fucking own and then polish it up and like get it ready. And I just, I have had a really, really hard time. Like I am a first draft finisher, but I, God, I was just talking to someone like the other day about how many first drafts I'm sitting on. And she looked at me and she was like, Anna, like, this is stupid. No one should be sitting on like hundreds of thousands of words just in a closet. And I'm like, but you don't understand. Like they're like, so, which is all to say, I write so much fiction. It's not just for fun. I do want to make up stuff for a living, but I am in this kind of like false push and pull or not false, but this like tough push and pull of like, my day job gives me things like health insurance and yeah. stability. And like, I am someone who really values like financial security and like getting, you know, a regular paycheck. And I just knew if I had to cobble together a paycheck every month through various assignments, like that would be even more stressful. And so like, I've just been, the dream has been to finish a book when I have a day job. And I think honestly, one of the things that I am realizing and grappling with is I don't think that's ever going to happen. Like I have I don't know. I have like ADHD. I like love being really obsessive and deep diving into projects. I am not going to be someone who finishes a book 20 minutes a day. Um, so, oh, so the Italy trip that you mentioned at the top yeah, of our conversation yeah, yeah. was I, it wasn't, it wasn't a writer's retreat. It was like, I have two friends who bless them in their lifestyle, rented a villa in Italy for a month and like invited as, friends as you do. <laughs> right. And just like invited friends to come through. And like, we all know each other through professional, like I happen to know them through Buzzfeed. Um, one of them's now a screenwriter and like has like other screenwriter friends. So they were all some sort of writer. And so the idea was, We'll get some writing, we'll also vacation, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I was just really looking forward to that inter- interrupted time. And I recently, re- this is an entire fiction, like whatever um, 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 tangent that you're probably going to cut, but I really, really keyed back into an old project of mine because I used to write fantasy. And before the pandemic, I was editing a fantasy novel that was pretty dark and it was the last thing that I wanted to look at when the pandemic hit. And so I decided I'm going to write like a rom-com draft. And so then I wrote like a draft of like a rom-com book, which, which again, it's stupid that I can just sit down and write that many words, but they're all terrible. Um, So I forgot that I liked writing fantasy and like recently, I don't know. Are you a video game person? Do you happen to like Fire Emblem? I am not a video game person. No, that's okay. Okay. Um, a, A video game I was excited about came out, got me back into writing fan fiction for the first time since I was a teenager. And that, reminded me that I loved writing fantasy. And then what happened is I started pulling a couple all-nighters and had to like call my psychiatrist to make sure I wasn't like manic because I was filling up notebooks. Like I was just deep in this project and then like got to go to Italy and be deep in this project. And I'm just like, dear God, if I'm ever going to do this, I have to give myself the chance, but that's terrifying. So hello. (laughs) That was a completely random non-musically related thing. But the thing I will tell you as part of my process is building all my character playlists and vibe playlists. And that's how I do discovery work. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> no. So was it, so I am an uncultured buffoon and I've never traveled abroad. So was it like, what's it like going to Italy? Like, do you speak Italian? Could you get around? Okay. Did you have a good time? Um, like <laughs> Very different answers to all these questions. Um, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I, not for lack of trying, 
And maybe it would be different if I could fully immerse myself, but I'm terrible with language and I'm really embarrassed about it. And it really bums me out because I would love to be someone who could be at least bilingual. Um, And so actually traveling in countries where I don't speak the language is really stressful because most of them are English speaking and they will speak English to you. But like I get in my head, like I feel I want to at least make the effort. I feel disrespectful, but like I cannot describe how much my brain and language just they don't. They don't. (laughs) Aside from just like everything looking very picturesque and just like hanging out like and doing some writing like what did you just like sightsee and or like relax or try to relax relaxing is not a concept i'm familiar with um no i I know i I mean this is my first vacation in a really long time (laughs) and i'm so burnt out and so i just lazed here's the thing now i'm like i'm like i told i told some of these friends about this podcast i'm sure they're like that i was doing this i'm sure they're gonna listen so hi guys love you (laughs) um but for me i'm a huge introvert and so traveling with others was like oh i need my alone time and i did get some but like you know most of like the sightseeing and stuff was um was like group activity so it was like a little a, a little like um not a lot of time to recharge for a yeah. vacation that I hoped had been recharged. Like, well, not that I hope that that particular one, but I, because of how work had been going, I desperately needed a week to recharge and it was like more active, but that was fun too. Like they, they are so that, that this group of friends is so different than me and like more extroverted. And like, maybe you noticed on social, like all of the like supremely extra pictures we were posting. That is very much like a result of these friends being like, they love photo shoots. They love being like extra. And like, I really love that because like, Hey, they're taking pictures of you, but it's very out of my comfort zone. <laughs> but oh, oh my God, that reminds me. Um, I, when I got my headshots done for mood ring, cause I wanted new ones. I wanted them to feel special. I wanted them to be extra. My photographer, um, asked me to put together a playlist of songs for the photo shoot. And I was like, oh. oh, this is what I need. And so like having to put together like songs that made me feel confident. I think black sheep was on there. Um, oh wow. We just came full circle. Holy shit. <laughs> Yes. That is how the tangents work. And that is how the tangents work. But yeah, it's so like very much like, how do I, sorry, I'm switching positions and shouldn't have done that mis-sentence. I know how to do a podcast, but, but yeah, tapping into kind of like the extra dramatic songs that did make me feel not like myself, you know, and more willing to, you know, I don't know, pose and like be dramatic or, you know, um, be- pretend to be hot believe i'm hot be hot i don't know what the it depends on the day um so yeah it was just like a good mix of like eating drinking taking a lot of photos that i normally would not take and now i'm grateful for because i have great dating profiles um pics <laughs> when you hear the sound it's here and now my world turns upside down I face the ground, faceless I bow, the few and proud join me and sing aloud, recite my vows, a thousand times, scream at the passing cars from the windowsill, why don't you care? Don't you kill me, scream at the 
into the second half here, and yes. this was the song that I did not, I have never heard of this band, not familiar with the song, The Midnight Club. Yes. And the song called Scream. Scream. So where, where are we getting into this one? And if we're doing chronological and thematical, we're... Yeah. This is actually more now? recent. This okay. is a more recent song. I think maybe like it was part of my top songs for 2020 maybe when I was very big into um, engaging my mental health via music. And what I love about this song is I'm going to start by referencing another song before I talk about this one, but are you familiar with like, well, I know that I told you to listen to it, but before I told you to listen to it, were you familiar with I Want to Get Better by Bleachers? I wasn't, but I did listen to it because you did say that you were going to reference it at some point. So I did listen to it the the day you sent me all of the stuff for the show. So it's like a pretty well-known song and it's like this anthemic, like, is that, that's a word, right? Yeah, and that's like, the word, yeah. Woo! I, I could have like, just been making it up. I was like, for the amount of time I use it in like writing stuff and talking about songs, I was like, it better fucking be. I hope word. it is. <laughs> um, but you know, the chorus is just a very kind of like screaming, I want to get better, I want to get better, like shouting over the overpass, screaming at the cars, I want to get better. And it is a song that, you know, for good reason, a lot of people have really connected to in that way. And sometimes I do too. Like sometimes I am in a place and I'm going to, really dramatically lean into, I want to get better. See, this was my sneaking in a bleachers reference, um, <laughs> but for good reason, which is this is like scream by the midnight club is like my anti, I want to get better. This is the, like, I want to feel dramatic as fuck. I want to scream from the rooftops, like how shitty I feel. And you know, their version of screaming, I want to get better over and over in the chorus is screaming over and over again. Why don't you kill me? <laughs> so, um, but they like weirdly like they're like musically in conversation somehow and I, I can't explain why. <laughs> randomly for you how did you hear because i mean this is a pretty recent song um objectively so like how do you how did you hear about this i'm always i'm always curious when people pick tunes for the show that i am not familiar with kind of like how they discover music or how they I, hear about music yeah and i like i wish i could freaking tell you but <laughs> i'm very much i will admit i am pretty 
um, confined to the Spotify app. You know, I'm very kind of like, also like if it appears on my like discover weekly, I'll add it to like that month. I have, I organize my playlist by month. So, you know, I was like, Ooh, I like this week. So I'll put it in September, 2022. And that tends to be what I like listen to that month. And then it just kind of usually branches out into, Oh, I'll check out this artist and this artist's other song. So, I mean, I'm still very like top level of the Midnight Club's like discography. I don't know that they're like very robust, but like a couple of songs, I would say like Close Your Eyes, their number one song is fucking awesome. So like I discovered new music through, I think this was my first introduction to this band. Okay. Um, and okay. it, I mean, realistically, dude, it probably just appeared on Discover Weekly. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> And I mean, that's like, I think that's kind of like the way people learn about music and hear about music now has changed so much and it changes so quickly now that, um, I mean, I do a lot of reading about music on mm. like various music news websites and that's kind of how I hear about a lot of things. But I also can't spend all day, every day, like researching every band name that I come across. And so like, I, do, I don't often use the Spotify kind of discover playlists the way I could in terms really? of learning about things no i don't oh I, I listen every week i listen to every discover song every week i should maybe it would behoove me maybe to, to look into that then because it's just like it probably is going to put point me in the direction of something that i'm gonna like it's just I that i say i never it's just a nice Monday ritual. okay <laughs> you should like yeah. it, it's like I mean, there aren't very good many good things about Mondays. It's like you have a new music playlist formulated for you, waiting for you. Like I will say, like Spotify's algorithm is pretty fucking smart. Like, cause the other like playlists that they individualize for you too. Like, oh god, hold on. There was one that made me laugh. Um, I might have to find it. Hold on. Um, is it, it like was... one of the ones that they like without name, where it's like a cry for help? Because I've seen a lot of those. Yeah, the yeah. Movie. There was like it was like a whole section that was like. So do you, fo- do you follow Hanif Abdurraqib on like any social media on Twitter or on Instagram? Do you know who he is? Um, the name does not sound familiar now. Okay. He's a, he's a writer and like a cultural critic. He has a podcast called Object of Sound. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And I mean, not intimately familiar, but like okay. at least familiar with Object of Sound. Yeah. He, he uh, took a screenshot of his Spotify like recommended and it, it came up with something called the saddest playlists in the world. Oh my God. And his comment comment on it was, it appears Spotify has also read my latest essay. Oh my God. Yes. I just like, I couldn't stop chuckling at it. And one of the, one of the playlists was called like sad girl starter pack or something. That I think is probably one I've been served before for sure. (laughs) Uh, I'm expecting I'm expecting at one point Spotify playlist to be just like the title of it is hey you good are you okay? the, I'm pretty sure I've seen that before because the answer is like a resounding nah I'm I, I'm not
Right. Can we talk about the civil wars? Yes, yes. Well, you're multitasking to find whatever. Nah, I'm done multitasking. Okay. I'll find it later and send it to you, and then we'll just have to laugh privately. This was um, like I mean, this is kind of not similar in like musicality with a lot of the other ones on here because they are kind of like very traditional, like folksy mm-hmm. rootsy and they are no longer a band i don't think the civil war no and god i would kill for that documentary i'm pretty sure that they were a thing yeah they weren't they like a married couple that then split up i thought i thought that was maybe this- hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna fact check this because i do not want to be wrong but it was either that or they split up and were they were each married and split up and there was like a lot of speculation that they had had an affair together, um, the two people. Um, but I could be remembering this completely incorrectly because this was not why I put it on the playlist. Um, hold on. Bam. I'm trying to read their wiki to see what it says here. And it doesn't. Because if you listen to your music. No, uh... I don't think that they. I guess I thought they were married for some reason. But that's the thing is they have such musical chemistry and all their songs are like I mean, I won't say all, but so many of their songs are like really, really like harrowing love songs, like have themes of yearning. Like this was very much like a, I'm not someone who loves to speculate about real people. You know, like I'm a shipper for fiction. I like love talking, (laughs) like I'm like a romantic at heart, but this, I was just like, oh my God, they clearly fell in love as a musical duo and had to break up the band because it was going to ruin their respective marriages. Um, but I did not follow it that hard. This is just all coming back to me now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Homie, what's his name? John Paul White is, he has a wife and four kids and lives in Alabama. Um, and then uh, Joy Williams. I love this live research. This is yeah, amazing. like, I mean, this is compelling for uh, whoever's going to listen to it. She... Has she is divorced? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, when? Oh my god! Sorry, no. This is like not to like. Please know that I'm completely like not actually salivating where someone's real divorce. Um, so she divorced in 2019. So, so well, well mm-hmm. after the band broke up. So they. So okay, I was remembering correctly, and like I said, did not actually have theories about it. person I talked about this with was someone I used to I was a growing up and like into I don't know like young adulthood was like a text-based role player I um was on forums I you know very much you know was involved in that and like the reason this song is on the playlist is because it was a song that was on like a lot of shipping playlists for me it was like if a couple fit this song like if this song fit a couple if it could fit on their playlist 
I would probably be obsessed with those characters and their relationship, um, which is who I am as a human. And funnily <laughs> enough, someone I used to role play with, we used to role play like, um, God, I'm trying to see if there's a succinct way to describe this. It's not. But anyway, we used to ship two of our characters together and we jokingly used to talk about um, like an A, God. Does any of this make sense? Like, do you know what AU is? Do you know what shipping is? Like, I'm like, this is getting like deep, deep, like internet hole. Um, But reimagining the couple in a different world, an alternate universe in AU, we were like, oh my God, we need a Civil Wars AU where they're like, you know, our two characters are, you know, and so we like used it as like plot inspiration. Um, So that's why I know about um, the background of them having a lot of speculation about having had an affair. The end. Okay. Okay. I love this. Sorry, that was like me trying to decide live if any of that was interesting. No, <laughs> that's like fumbling. That's, that's great. That's great. I love it. And it it this whole thing as we were doing live research both on our respective <laughs> devices trying to determine what the scoop was. I uh I love yeah, it. Yeah, but oh. their music is like God, very like hot. Like this is a song I return to a I, lot I was just, to hurt my it, own feelings. I was like, it's. I remember when they were very big, and it was. It's so haunting. Like, yeah, it just, because there's like it's so sparse, and I think there's something about like very sparse acoustic mm-hmm. kind of rootsy folk music that just uh, it really lingers. Oh, this is going to be really highly specific, but one of the playlists that I will make every year is when. Oh, it's going to be time to make this playlist, but it's when it's finally turning to fall in earnest, you know, and I have like a blustery fall, windy day playlist that like, I like the first cool day that you're like, it is no longer summer. The wind is around very dramatic. And this song is always on that playlist. And I don't have a ton of repeats that and like, yeah, no, no, what were you going to say? What was the other one? Sorry. Oh, um, oh, oh, um, oh, another love by Tom O'Dell. Okay. I um I love like a blustery fall day when like the sun is warm but the air is very cool and there like the leaves have started to turn and I I am very like seasonal with my music at mm-hmm. times if I can be and so there's like definitely songs and albums that are like autumn a fall albums a fall album or my my fall into winter albums which is yep. very specific the transitional like, no i'm with you a winter win- like oh these are my winter songs and it's just like it's wild uh it's just and then posts like holiday winter songs for yeah. that like weird winter very before bleak. spring no very, there are very bleak part of winter like i think there are six seasonal playlists that i could make a year <laughs> Out of how many seasons, Adam? Interesting. Is this how I die? Ridiculed and laughed at Wearing clown shoes Is this how I die? Furious and reckless Sick with booze How did I live? I taste 
Every wasted minute, every time I turned away From the things that might have healed me, how long have I been sleeping? Is this how I die? Frightened like a child, lazy and numb. Is this how I die? Pretending and preposterous and dumb. How did I live? Was I kind enough and good enough? Did I love enough? Did I ever look up and see the moon and the stars in the sky? Oh, why have I been sleeping? Um, so we're gonna we're getting into something from a musical now, right? and Josh Groban, the Groban. <laughs> jo- Josh Groban. Okay, so I Jonathan Ashes. To- I don't know anything about this. I'm not a big musical person, so like, oh this my was, god! I mean, this was very very theatrical, as it should be. It but super I was, was. This was this was very, my like kind of wild. <laughs> so. Tell me about this, please. Okay, so I'm trying to think of like the most productive hierarchy of information that you might need here, which is, <laughs> I mean, I could tell you about Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Hilariously, the musical itself is not why I chose. Like I do, but that's the thing is I could talk about my relationship to that musical because I did see it a couple times. I did go see it on closing night. I did weep, but I'm not that connected to it. It's more of like, and the experience of it, it's just like a very, I mean, theatrical because it's theater, but you know, um, weird, over dramatic show. Um, and yeah, Josh Groban is being. <laughs> so Grobes, Grobes is in this show. I didn't know that he did like Broadway. Yeah. Oh, he's actually, I think he's about to be Sweeney Todd too. Oh, they okay. just announced, which I might go see. I mean, yeah, I mean, say what you want about Josh Groban, but that bitch can sing. I was like, yeah, guy's got, guy's got a voice. He's got a good sense of humor about himself too, I mm-hmm. think. Um, oh, do you watch or did you watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? No. Oh, there is a song that I wanted to include in my book about self-care, which is an A to Z kind of like coffee table book guide. And I wanted to talk about or there's a so, there's a song in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend called The End of the Movie. And Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is very like self-referential, like it's like a, a kind of musical parody, but about mental health themes. Very awesome. And there's a song about called the end of the movie where she's singing about like life isn't like a movie you know like people don't make sense they're not characters like if life was a movie at the end of the movie you'd be like what was that movie about like all this kind of stuff and like Josh Groban sings the song and has a cameo <laughs> and it's like revealed um I'm actually gonna send you the video after this interview okay. it's really funny um but yeah yeah Josh like Josh Groban in this musical is there's a lot to be said about this musical but by people who are who are if you want to talk about this musical on this podcast I will recommend you someone um but the reason I chose this song is I knew I had to pick a theater song because as established, I do I do love theater. And if I was going to pick it based on like formative music or like a formative musical that I really connected to, I probably would have picked like Don't Do Sadness um, from Spring Awakening, which was just a whole other, funnily enough, another suicide song. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but this one, this is a song, and this is going to sound very weird, but this is a song when I'm feeling like more suicidal than normal. And I cannot begin. I included it because I wanted theater representation. I wanted yeah. um, a song and I wanted also a suicidal ideation song and I could have chosen Swim by Jack's Mannequin or something normal and I decided to pick the song. I'm just going to stop talking for a bit and see what you pick up on and then I'm going to continue however. No, <laughs> that's no, that's no, that's I get it. I get it. And I got that from I got the vibes uh like the tone of this when I was um when I was listening to this playlist. Um I wanted to ask with the essay that you wrote like are you a are you ever going to like revive your Substack? Do you ever want to do kind of like that kind of writing again? Or is that like something you've put behind you and you want to focus on other things? Uh, you know, I, I'm actually really glad that you asked that because funnily enough, um, I started that as yet another, not exit strategy, but I was at a job that during pre and pre-pandemic that I was planning to quit and then the pandemic happened and then I couldn't quit. And yeah. in a lot of ways, the job was really restrictive and wasn't, I wasn't writing about mental health as much anymore. And, but I wasn't allowed to take on outside projects. Like that's when the podcast um, in its original form approached me. And like, I wasn't going to be allowed to do it unless my company could like take it over and it would be the company podcast that I hosted. And I was just feeling very, very like trapped and not wanting to, write about my most, I don't know. I didn't want to give my them my feelings if they weren't going to treat me well as an employee. You know, I yeah. didn't want them to like monetize my mental health. And so like the loophole I thought that I found, given that I wasn't allowed to freelance at this job was, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll start a newsletter and then quickly learn that I was too burned out to actually have a newsletter um, because it was still something extra to do. Yeah. And yeah. Now that newsletter haunts me because I always do kind of want to return to it and I don't really know how. And I always just feel so, and I know this isn't like, I have no reason to, this is very much like a feelings thing, but like, I feel really, really, really embarrassed that that's just sitting there and it's a project that I dropped. And I know that I don't have a reason to, but whatever. It's similar that I felt super, super embarrassed of like how long it took us to find a time for an interview. You know, it's just very much kind of all of the pots I have on the stove that I would rather be working on, but instead I am at a job where I'm working 80 hours a week and had like a mental breakdown somewhat recently. Like it's, you know, and it's like, so the reason I'm glad you asked is like, I, a lot of my career has been being able to be open about my mental health. And then I hit a point in my life where most of my mental health was tied to my career and all the reasons that my mental health was poor was these jobs that you know, I will never say that jobs caused any sort of mental health problems in me, but I do think that certain environments can exasperate mental health symptoms that I've dealt with or like, bur I mean, burnout is very fucking real. Yeah, and like, yeah. I'm currently like right now, my, like, I would say like the past year and a half of my life has been mostly work. And that was also making the podcast at the same time, which again, I never meant to do the podcast, have a full-time job at the same time, but that's how it worked out. And so I'm in like a weird place in my career where I feel like I'm not communicating on social about what I'm going through the way I used to, because it would involve tweeting about how mental health is, you know, directly tied to stuff like work and whether or not you're working 80 hours a week and whether or not, you know, you're feeling valued or whether or not you're being expected to do X, Y, Z, or whether or not your values are aligning with your company and all these things. 
All of my life I spent searching the words of poets and saints and prophets and kings. And now at the end, all I know that I've learned is that all that I know is I don't know a thing. So easy to close off, place the blame outside. Hiding in my room at night, so terrified. All the things I could have been, but I never had the nerve. Life and love, I don't. I squander my divinity Was happiness within me the whole time They say we are asleep until we fall in love We are children of dust and ashes but when we fall in love, we wake up And we are a god and angels, we But if I die here tonight I die in my sleep They say we are asleep and I'm so ready to wake up now. I want to wake up. Don't let me die while I'm like this. I want to wake up. God, don't let me die while I'm like this. Please let me wake up. Still treading the newsletter that I originally started to be able to take back some of, you know, the agency I had over talking about my mental health because it seemed like a smaller channel. Like all of my bosses always followed me. Like, oh my God, the other day I tweeted a suicide prevention week joke because like I hate suicide prevention week. I think that, you know, there's like it's usually just like an excuse for various like brands to, you know. Yeah. Virtue signal and not actually do anything. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah. usually centers the experiences of um, you know, people who have 
experience suicide loss of loved ones, which is just as important. But like, it's just very weird that like, we never talk to or about suicidal people in like any real way during suicide prevention week. Like we're always like treated like this kind of like weird theoretical person who's definitely not in the room where this conversation is happening. Um, so I let, like, I let off some steam and like tweeted like a joke about like taking a shot for every time, like a, a brand, like I got an email from a brand promoting suicide prevention week that made me want to kill myself. And our HR reached out to me to see if I was okay. And I was just like, for fucking God. And I appreciate it. Cause it's like, you know, like I do, you know, always ask versus not ask, but it was just like a reminder that I was just like, oh yeah, like my socials aren't really for me anymore. Um, but they're also not for even brand building because my brand used to be talking about my mental health, but I can't do that because then I'll get fired. And it's just like all these, all of these things. So yeah. <laughs> that was the, probably not the length of answer you were no, expecting. No, no, no. I mean, it's all like I. <laughs> That's all. I mean, yeah, I, that's all good to know. And I did, I did see that joke and I did, I, I understood completely. And I honestly, like, I didn't even know it was suicide prevention week until people were talking about it was how it was over and they were glad it was over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, but yeah. It's one, of those, it's one of those things when it's like, when it's mental health awareness month and I'm like, buddy, I got 11 other months this year that I'm very aware of my mental yeah. health. Um, yeah. So I just like your feelings, here's your feelings are very valid about like, you did a newsletter you stopped doing it there's a lot of circumstances as to why you don't know how to return to it and not feel like as you said it's i mean i can't yeah that's the question yeah it's like how do i return to it and what do i say i can't can't tell you to not be embarrassed because you (laughs) like i'm just a dude doing this podcast right now with you like you are entitled to feel how you want to feel um i would say that i hope that you do come back to it that is just like I think that it would be great and like I hope that you are eventually less burnt out on things because I know how terrible that is and how it makes you not want to do creative things because you spend so much time doing something in your week that you're not getting anything in return yeah Um, I am curious kind of like on an adjacent thing and funnily enough I will eventually explain why I listen to Dustin Ashes while I'm suicidal but I like this better which is another thing that is kind of like paused me or made it hard to return is my feelings about like framing certain experiences as passive suicidal ideation are like evolving and like still mixed. I mean, at the time, I think I also acknowledged it wasn't perfect language, but over the pandemic, especially, and like, as the world continues to get more and more, I mean, I don't want to say more and more horrible because horrible things have been happening forever, but we are getting more and more information at our fingertips and more and more connected. So we are witnessing more and more of the terrible ways we are evolving into a certain kind of future and a certain kind of world. And I think like, I don't know that I, I mean, I, I am definitely, I have in, I, or I experience like what I would call passive suicidality and like have experienced active suicidality, but like some of it, like that, that kind of like lack because the original, hold on, I'm going to pause. <laughs> I have so many thoughts always. But the, the the title of that essay is, you know, I'm not always attached to being alive. And I've seen kind of like that experience for me personally split off into two things. I'm not always attached to being alive for like all of my mental health reasons that like who the F knows, very complicated. And then I am not attached to this life in particular and that, you know, and like this world and like the things that I'm seeing and like the hope that I have for the future under these circumstances and this economy. And I realize a lot of the conversations that I want to have about like suicidality and suicide prevention are just really more conversations about like, God, 
affordable housing and like yeah. setting up a world that people not even are excited to live in, but feel capable of living in without completely losing hope about what that experience will look like. And like, I am not experiencing that in like any sort of like way that's like a threat to my safety or my security. Like I am very like privileged and very lucky for that. But like in small ways, occasionally I'm just like, oh, wow, I do think my job is like contributing to my suicidality. And that's just because like, I'm thinking a lot about capitalism and how my health insurance is tied to like a place that might not be good for me. And like how I don't know how to make a move because of that. And just all of the complicated things. And I was just like, is that suicidality? Is that being alive in 2022? I mean, it is like, that is, I mean, you're, we could do a whole podcast (laughs) about this. Um, I mean, you're talking about the human condition at this point and there's no cure. There's no cure for that. And it's tough. I mean, I worked at a job that was destroying my mental health, like absolutely destroying my mental health. And I, I quit. Um, and sometimes I'm like, was that the right decision? I don't know. But I was just like, I couldn't do it anymore. And I was hoping I would feel a little better after leaving. That's not the case. Some kind of like how much of it was the job, how much yeah. of it is always going to be me. It's tough to find that, like to walk the line between like being able to turn off work stuff and not let it, get to you outside of like you know eight hours nine hours a day and like how much of it you take with you and how much of it you put on somebody else and if you can ever really outrun that and how much of it is a real feeling from inside you and how much of it is just like the world that we're living in right now and that there's like we can't escape that right and i mean this actually will be a pretty decent tie back back to dust and ashes but i think like because like for me when things started to get unsustainable it's like you know i was pulling all-nighters and like um i'm trying to think of i'm like oh that would add another trigger warning to this episode so never mind but you know i was not like doing like i was not doing super well i was like losing sleep like not eating as much like just not functioning as a human because like there was just most of my waking hours were work and like clearly that is not sustainable but I had like gotten so I was like afraid also that like I had reached a point of burnout and of depression and of suicidality that like if I quit I wouldn't be able to find another job like I wouldn't be able to do xyz I wouldn't be able to like pull myself back up and like the the security of being able to afford my therapist and like all how all of this is interconnected and like this was I mean I would say for most of not most of my adult life but you know for for a while this is like a common therapy theme for like at this point like I know in some way I need to make a change and I have always I mean I've said this a million times but as someone who values security I occasionally find myself thinking I wish I was braver like it comes down to courage and bravery for me and like coming out to like being able to like Cause as of, you know, cause I'll be talking to like my friends and they're like, Hey, why haven't you maybe made like some sort of change? I'm like, well, I have to save up money and I have to like make sure this, this, and this is in order. And like, I am someone who, even as someone who knows there is never right time for anything, you know, who knows that waiting like is like procrastination and perfectionism. And like, I mean, just for me personally. Um, and so that's hilariously when I'm feeling suicidal, it's usually because I'm feeling trapped and wondering, will I ever be able to, I don't know change the and it's like we I know that like suicidality is not like choice and something you could change your way out of but like the things that are triggering my suicidality lately are am I ever going to be able to make a 
big enough change to honor my mental health needs, even if it's scary and even if it leads to other problems? Like, can I trust myself? Do I have that self-trust? Am I brave? Blah, 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 blah. The answer is, I mean, (laughs) no, we'll see. (laughs) And so for some reason, this fucking song, Dust and Ashes, where like Josh Groban is like, you know, singing about all of his, all of his stuff. Um, There is like the line that's kind of like all the things I could have been, but I never had the nerve. And it's, I have like, but I never have, but I never had the nerve like on my wall is kind of a threat to myself, but I do find it really comforting and motivating. And I can't describe why. No, I get it. Because I don't want to wind up in a place like Josh Groban <laughs> or, you know, like Pierre in, yeah. uh, you know, scribbling about, you know, how all of his life he, you know, was stuck in his room and not living life while all of his friends were out in the war. And like, could he have been happy this whole time? And I was, you know, I'm like, I don't, this is a thought that I never want to have. I never had the nerve. And so like, I'm working up to having the nerve. I don't have it yet, but that is how Dust Nashes from The Great Comet is my suicide song, the end. <laughs> next one <laughs> yep and this is this is the last real one the last one is a bonus one that's just a vibe it's it won't okay. be a whole conversation this that's, is, this that's is the last fine song. that's fine i love that i mean this has all been like this is great okay um, but as someone who loves music you know there's a difference between a 10 track album a bonus and an 11 track album so i'm like you know this is the last song of the album <laughs> you're like the last one's a hidden track you gotta fast forward the cd exactly. a little bit exactly um so, and this was another one that I didn't know. And so House by the Sea, tell me about this. So I wanted to end on this one because it has some sentimental value for reasons that I think would be too boring to get into. Um, <laughs> but no, no, sincerely, like, it, you know, it's like a song that I connect to someone who I no longer have like a relationship with. And like, it was someone who I would have wanted to continue to have a relationship with. It's kind of like a oof, song, um, like associations wise. And so it was to the point that like, I didn't listen to it very much anymore because this song now it used to evoke something different. Um, and now it evokes some kind of sad feelings, but I, I threw it onto my long list as I was putting together, you know, my short list. <laughs> Cause I was just like, house by the sea, you know, like, ah, uh, um, I think it's like a German bit. Like I don't know other music by this. Like it's just, this is just a random song. Um, and cause it was put on a playlist by, um, by this person who I mentioned, okay. um, okay. which is how I found it. And I was, listening to it for the first time in a hot sack because it normally hurts my feelings in a way that's not enjoyable emotional masturbation it's just like ow um 
And funnily enough, to continue the themes of our last conversation, I am connecting to the song on a more personal level. And I was kind of like, oh, maybe maybe I can make this song for me again. Um, because quite literally, it is about wanting to, like, the lyrics are like, I want a house by the sea. And, like, I've been feeling a lot of stuck in my life. Like, oh, why did I choose this busy-ass life? Why is this, like, and, like, and I just want to, like, go to a, like, fucking, like, beach and, like, live there and not have to worry about anything. And I feel like the quit your life vibes are big right now. I, like, am not the only one who is feeling this way. <laughs> they say home is a place you can choose to be. And I've decided to carry home inside me. So it's not really as if I am leaving. It's more like something pulling me. Cause behind everything that I do, I just want to forget, want to carry this through, fill my lungs with a sweet summer air in my heart in my mind i am already there yeah behind everything that i do i just want to come home and lay down beside you and then i'll be who i wanted to be in my heart i belong in a house by If you associate a song with a, with somebody else or somebody else introduced that song to you, is it difficult for you to to go back to that if you're no longer like connected to that person somehow? Or like can you ever sever that connection and listen to the song again and not have it give you like a very wistful feeling? Oh. I would say this is actually a special case because okay. we um this like more so than not like this and this was like a friend too like not like a romantic relationship okay. i think like friend breakup should be just as um just as you know yeah. they could be just as heartrending and like sometimes even 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 or i don't want to compare but i they rarely have closure in the way that's at least sometimes romantic relationships do um and so like we were big on swapping playlists and so i i, I would say that like this is like a special case but that did make me think of like has someone ever commented or said something like negative about a song that you really love? And every time you hear that song, you like hear their voice. Has that ever happened? Has anyone ever ruined a song for you like that? I'm trying to think if anyone has ever really truly ruined a song for me. And I don't, I'm sure, I'm sure that somebody has said something negative and that I, I, it just kind of seeped into me so much. I do I do associate certain like certain artists or certain songs with specific people sometimes mm. depending on when I discovered them or like at what part of my life I was in and so those associations are very hard to remove myself from um but I don't know if anyone has ever been like yo this is trash and <laughs> I have never been able to like I'll put that record on and be like so and so thinks this is trash why am I listening to this and it's like not even a person that I like have no contact with anymore um, oh, yeah it hasn't happened to me often either but I, I think I'm someone who does 
I can't exactly describe what will like make an association like sink its roots into a song but like it can be anything like "Ooh, I had an emotional connection to the song because of a relationship and then now I will always associate it with them or like I remember like once I showed a song to my college best friend when we were high and we were swapping songs and like she just like kind of started laughing and saying oh this is so cheesy and it was a song that I really did not find cheesy I found it you know whatever and now to this day 10 years later every time I hear that song I cringe and think of my friend saying oh this is so cheesy (laughs) so when I was putting together this playlist a very legitimate thought that I had was if I embarrass myself or have even like one cringe moment that I remember, I hope I don't associate it with that song and ruin it that song forever. Cause I don't want to be like, Oh, that's what I just like couldn't shut up on Kevin's podcast. And like <laughs> was saying really weird stuff about like, who knows? So. This is the bonus joint, Stranger. Um, tell me about this one. Uh, this is just a vibe. Okay. This is like, I didn't like, I knew that we, all of these songs were going to, um, you know, lead to some big discussions. And I could not end our conversation without saying most of my like top five songs of every year on Spotify are hyper fixations that I run into the ground. <laughs> And then never listen to again. And Strangers um, by Covey, Covey, I've never, who even knows? Covey? Stranger <laughs> by Covey is just one that has, I mean, I have periods of on and off, but like I will occasionally always return to it and do the same thing. Like it has, it has legs, but I just wanted to like be like, not everything has a deep association. Sometimes I pick a really fucking stupid song. This year, I think my number one, oh, I know what my number one top song was last year, which was a Bo Burnham song. So sometimes <laughs> I just like have I mean, random songs that I'm like, fuck yeah. And they have, I could not tell you why. <laughs> no, that's, that's, those are the vibes. I totally get it. Um, I also have some, not often, but occasionally we'll have those moments um, where it's Do like. Do you ever wish that like there was a playlist that had every song that you've listened to more than like five times on it? Because like, 75% I bet I've forgotten about. Um, 
I do often when I'm so when I'm picking my favorite songs of the year, and when I say favorite songs of the year, I mean like the ones that have hurt me the most emotionally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I will like go back through and like look at what albums I really loved in a year, and then kind of be like, oh right, that song was on that one, because like I just mm. like r- I will like spend so much time with one thing and think about it, and this is another thing where it's like writing about music is just like, you kind of ruin it for yourself after no. a certain point, and so like I really have to think, and I'm like, what were this? What are the songs that I want to say like were my favorite of the year, and I have to really take the time to be like begin in January and go through, and sometimes it's very difficult to be like. What can I still grasp onto that I want to say mm. at the end of the year? These were the best for me. The- that's so interesting because that that's exactly why I love Spotify is they tell me what my top songs were. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if I had to like pick, I would be like, I would probably pick something that wasn't actually like it is so interesting to say, oh my God, did I really listen to that random song? That many times, yeah. Enough and, times that it's my number one song. And, that, and see, here's the thing: is I use Spotify so infrequently. Like, I use mm. it for playlists for this for this this show, like for people to send me playlists, and I make a monthly playlist that I share with people on social media of just songs that I kind of think about or am listening to. But I like buy records and like sit and listen to like physical music still. So like my top songs or like my favorite songs are not always going to be the thing that I listen to the most on on an app totally so that's kind of why it's like tough for me to go back because I have to be like well these Spotify numbers are skewed because I listen to this like ambient three minute thing (laughs) on repeat just because I needed something to listen to while I was on a walk um but like what did I really really connect with and then I have to like really do my homework and be like, well, what albums did I like the most and what songs off of those mm. albums and how seen and or attacked did I feel by this song? And Oh, I yeah. love that you do that. Oh, my, yeah, my Spotify is super fucking accurate. It's the only place <laughs> I listen to music, like for better or for worse.
was one version of the playlist that I that I was tempted to put together for this was just taking like the top two songs for like the past five years because like in looking back at them, I was like, oh wow, that did remind me what I was going through. Like yeah, Make Me Feel would... by Janelle Monet was like my number two of like 2018. I was like, oh, that's when I was dating a woman who was really into that song and we had it on when we made out all the time. Like literally, <laughs> it was just like, oh, that. Or it was our getting ready song too. And that's and that's like I mean, that's again these these shows and the people who wanna like however they pick the list of songs they wanna bring on, these can go this can go any different way. It's like if you wanted to talk about your the top two most played songs of the last five years, you would have different stories to tell. I know. Why do you think I had a meltdown preparing for this? So how'd I do? Did I, was my did, did I create an arc? <laughs> <laughs> you did. This was such an arc, and this t- like I mean, this was great, and this was it was so much. It was so insightful to hear the stories behind all of these, and kind of like what I got out of them, and then your reasoning behind them, and you in- have introduced me to artists that I have not been familiar with, which is one of the takeaways that I love about doing this. That is um, one last thing that I leave it with is one of my favorite new music rituals is kind of like finding a song that someone likes that I know, you know, hopefully it usually, I usually ask for like three. I love doing this for my friends, but kind of like send me three songs that I would know that you love. Um, and then building a playlist based on that, like, Ooh, based on that, I recommend this that you haven't heard of and love building up it that way. And I usually ask them to do it back. That's great. That's like, that's a great way to hear about like new stuff or like stuff you're not totally familiar with exactly like finding songs in conversation yeah um is there anything else that you want to talk about that we didn't get to over the last (laughs) (laughs) i know you joked about you're like if this goes on for two hours it's fine it's like oh shit (laughs) it did um no i mean clearly i could talk about anything forever (laughs) um so i did i have notes did i have notes no i think it's just I think we covered, I can't even say we covered it because I did not quite know what we were going to cover, but I'm glad with what we covered, right? I'm glad that we, and thank you, like, again, I can't thank you enough for being willing to do this, for taking time out of your life to build a Oh my God, stop saying willing when I was clearly so excited to do this. This was like a treat for me. Uh, No, I'm I'm just very great. I'm very grateful that you took the time, you made a playlist, that you was very labor intensive and I understood the assignment (laughs) (laughs) and you took time out of your day to make this happen and we're willing to share so much of yourself and the stories behind all these uh I'm I'm just I'm very grateful for our Uh, time together so thank you well I'm very grateful for like the opportunity to have what is was honestly a very self-indulgent conversation so thank you (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing is it's I think we're just taught that like we need a reason to talk about ourselves and the things that we like, I don't know, think yeah. literally. This was literally just a, oh yeah, this is what I fuck around and do in my head. So <laughs> this is very cool and like such a cool podcast. And oh, it was thank you. a blast. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Once again, thank you so much to my guest, Anna Borges, for pulling up to the virtual building and chopping it up with me and being so generous with her time and her enthusiasm. If you are interested in reading the essay that she wrote that we talked about during the conversation, you can still find her newsletter online, stilltreading.substack.com. 
I would encourage you to subscribe to the Mood Ring podcast. It's available wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all the vibes that you know, some of the vibes you don't know. You can also check Anna out on Twitter. She is at Anna Borges. And then on Instagram, she is at Anna Broges because her name was already taken on there, which seems like a real crime. And also, thank you again to all of the guests this season uh, and the generosity of their time and putting together thoughtful lists of songs and coming onto the show to share the, uh, the stories behind the tunes and having thoughtful conversations with me. I am always appreciative of anyone who is willing and able to put in the time and to speak with me. And now it's time for the fine print. This has been the Anhedonic Headphones podcast wrapping up its eighth season. I am still Kevin Krein, literally your boy, Kevy Fly. This is, of course, the audio extension of the music criticism and analysis website, anhedonicheadphones.blogspot.com. You can follow me on social media if you want to. I am at Kevy Fly on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can subscribe to this very program. Share it with your friends. Share it with any kind of nemesis you might have out there in the world. It is available to stream and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Again, all the vibes you know, some of the vibes you don't know. And if you'll humor me for just a little while longer, I would like to give some final thoughts on this season because we are winding things down for the year. And this year I have done the most with this podcast in terms of the amount of episodes that I have been able to produce, but also in the variety of guests that I have been able to connect with. So I'm very appreciative to everybody who, again, has spent the time to put together the list of songs, been willing and interested to do this, and then spending the time with me to chop it up. Because I know it's not for everybody, so I'm in, I'm always appreciative. Uh, every year, every year since I started this thing, and every season, there's been eight of them now, uh, it's always a labor of love in terms of wrangling the guests, doing the interviews, editing the shows, putting them online, trying to promote them. And uh, I've been very grateful for all the opportunities that the show has been able to have over the last four years. It started with very humble beginnings and look where I am now. Um, This year especially has been big uh, for the show and for me. So this program will be back at some point in 2023. I can't vouch for when. but I'm going to need to put the brakes on it for a little bit while I focus on some other projects and continue working on both music writing and non-music writing. So it might be a little bit before we see each other again. So thank you for spending time with me and with this show and with the guests. I hope you learned something about them, about some music that you maybe were not familiar with. And I also hope that you perhaps learned something about yourself Um, because, you know, growth, that's important. I think that's what my therapist keeps telling me. And sometimes I listen to her. So until our paths cross again, I hope that this finds you as well as you are able to be. I hope you're staying safe. Please wash your hands. Please wear a mask. Please double mask if you can. Please remember that black lives still matter. And 
Adopt, don't shop. 